And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You'll be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me this week, a very, very fabulous special guest, the senior writer for the Rams.com, the Los Angeles Rams own Stu Jackson. Stu? How are you doing? Jordan, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, awesome to be on the, the pod and uh, excited to be making an appearance. We've got football on grass again. And, you know, that's really exciting. Obviously, uh, no contact, life tackling, any of that sort of thing, uh, as dictated by the uh, collective bargaining agreement and uh, general rules of OTAs. But nonetheless, it's exciting to see players and coaches back on the field and in a practice-like environment uh, that we obviously haven't had in a long time. Yeah, it's such a good feeling, um, and, and just like the the smells of the grass and, and everything's prepared. And um, I do want to say, caveat: Stu and I will be talking a lot about you know football and a lot about what we see and, and what we are are observing from players. There are some ground rules, obviously. I go over this every year, um, but it's certainly worth repeating, especially to any new listeners out there. Um, so. This is not real football. I mean, it is. It's installation. It's all, as Sean McFay says, it's all above the neck. Um, you know, a lot of mental reps, a lot of walk through, jog through. There's definitely live throw and catch, and there's a lot of drilling and technical work. Um, but they're obviously not hitting each other. There's obviously not real run blocking or pass blocking happening. Um, there's not real pass rushing happening. A lot of things are set up so the quarterback is able to get the ball out of his hand and, and to the intended receiver so that you can see the functionality of some of the plays. And also want to point out too that Stu and I are both bound by the same credential reporting obligations. So that means that when we see, you know, X player, I'm just going to give you a hypothetical example. When you see Alaric Jackson working as the first team left tackle, for example, um, that's not something that I could technically tell you guys, right? So I definitely didn't tell you guys that and, and can't tell you guys that. But what I can tell you is that uh, the Rams are still being careful with Joe Noteboom, who is a partial participant in these, o in these OTAs after the Achilles tear last year. And that is something that you know, you asked, we, we asked Sean McVay directly and he confirmed. So in that way, uh, I cannot so subtly slash subtly tell you kind of what we're seeing. Stu does the same, does a great job over at rams.com. Also want to point out one thing you guys were expecting this podcast way earlier than you're actually listening to it. And Stu and I were trying really hard not to crack up during the intro. So I, uh, I committed like probably one of the dumber technical difficulty mistakes in my life. And Stu has been very kind and very patient to work with me through it. Well, listen, I think, I think it's almost fitting and appropriate that we're in a spring of learning for both the Rams and like, <laughs> here we are in another learning situation. And I say that in an endearing and non patronizing way, just to make it abundantly clear. But I just found it kind of funny and, and, and fitting along those lines that it, it almost aligns perfectly with, what we'll be talking about a lot on this podcast. So. We're manifesting, Stu. We're manifesting. We're living. We're, this is how we can really like we're we're method actors. This is how we can really put ourselves into the shoes of the subjects we cover is how we're, we're truly feeling uh, the quote unquote rookie mistakes that, uh, you know, people, someone who's done press record millions and millions of times should not be <laughs> should not be having these sorts of mental errors, but I digress. And also one other thing too, you know, uh, you a lot of you guys know Stu is, is quite the pun god on Twitter. Um, and we'll probably throw out a few inadvertent and very intentional ones through the course of this podcast. But Stu does not have any uniform opinions. And none of us would ever consider even Con, like even trying to dim the light on what is Rich Hammond's number one topic of discussion and his number one beat and his number one bit. Rich has such ownership of that that I feel comfortable in saying 
that is all him and there is nothing I could possibly add to uh, contribute to or, or uh, especially enhance uh, those takes. So, yeah, you will not be getting any spicy uniform takes from me, but uh, we're, I'm, I'm happy to firmly establish that that is Rich's arena and will stay his arena, even as I uh, guest co-host this podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're stoked to have you, Sue. I know our listeners are stoked to have you. You do such a great job with your work over at therams.com. Um, anything, any medium they ask you to partake in over there, you're in the mix and, and doing it. So I know that Rams fans really appreciate that and all your coverage. And also, what I really appreciate is you're seeing the same things that I'm seeing out there. Like we're there's there's a few a select amount of people who are out there actually watching these things. And it's really fun to dialogue about that. And of course, we, we're going to start. We have to start with Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's here. He's present um, looking a little slimmer, in my opinion. I think that's the opinion of Twitter as well. Looking like uh, maybe some of that bootleg, some of that play action might be in the mix here. Uh, just based on, you know, if, if you're leaner, you might be a little faster. You just, you know, just hypothesizing here. And I think that, you know, it's really big for Matthew to be here, not just to be mentally present as he has been because he was mentally present all all last year, last spring as well, but being physically present, able to throw the football and participate in a full workload of throwing the ball and establishing that rhythm, establishing that timing while they are an install and there's no real actual football happening right now is the biggest time of year to getting that timing down and what have you seen out there from from Matthew Stu, not just in terms of what he's showing, um, you know, as a thrower of the football, but also as somebody who, I mean, he really, you can see, I mean, it's probably startling for him to be on the field with people who were seven years old when he entered the league, um, which is wild. I mean, wild to think about. And it sort of like blew Steve Avila's mind. You can go look at that video. <laughs> it, yeah, it's incredible. That's right. <laughs> um, but the, it, it, like I've also noticed him really taking extra time with some of these younger players too, making sure that there's not this sort of distance, like, Oh my gosh, it's Matthew Stafford. Like he could be my dad kind of a thing. Like it, instead it's, Instead, it's really like hands-on. I've seen him instructing the the backup quarterbacks and and certainly getting a lot of reps in with players he missed reps with last year. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing too with that is mental reps can only take you so far, right? And for someone like him who especially likes to be out there and really obviously wants to be throwing the football, um, you know, when you're physically involved and able to make throws and also, you know, just a lot more, you know, present, through that, uh, it makes it a lot easier, I would imagine, to be involved and to help others and things like that. Not that obviously he wasn't already doing that to begin with, but the throws all look like the throws that you and I have both seen him him make routinely since he's been with the Rams and when he's fully healthy. Um, in terms of the mentorship, I think he's been very approachable. You know, it's been he's taken the time to mentor Stetson Bennett and give him some pointers, you know, Stetson mentioned in his press conference the other day that basically Stafford knows what it's like to be in his shoes. And so he goes out of his way to oversimplify things, not to, you know, talk down to Stetson or anything, but just to help him learn it and better understand it. And so when you have the combination of all those things and physically throwing and, and developing the chemistry, especially with, you know, some veteran receivers that he missed out on uh, having reps with last spring, the newer uh, receivers, the rookie receivers that he's working with, and also the uh, new quarterbacks, especially the rookie quarterback that is now in his quarterback room. Uh, that's a really good thing for the Rams offense to have uh, this spring, especially this time of year. Yeah, you can see it brings some energy too. I mean, I think we all last year, you know, and and, and you and I have talked about this too. It's like we all last year, we were just like the energy that we felt was sort of like residual energy. It was like remaining leftover from the the rush of that Super Bowl season. And I think we learned a lot about like what's real and what's not real in terms of that energy, like what's going through the motions and just trying to quite literally like heal from the longest ever season. And what's real energy, real intentionality, real dedication. And that's kind of what I love about this time of year. And, and I wrote about this over the, the athletic.com. 
And and I know you were asking Sean about this too, Stu, in, in the press conference, that shift in okay, you're not just starting at like step seven in in the in these guys' training programs because you have veteran players, so you don't have to reteach everything every year. They they've been so top heavy for so many years that you know you really are um sort of just like on like onboarding guys in in March and April, May in the middle of things already. You're not reteaching drills. You're not um, establishing routines for the first time. Everybody, for the most part, because this roster has been so top heavy on both sides of the ball in all three phases, really, it's just been so like, okay, you get here. And basically the goal of the offseason programming is to, you know, tweak some things and and mess and and, and sort of design and, and game plan some different things. But really it's about getting healthy and really it's about rest and healing and, and doing that. And it's become very clear that these guys are going to practice very hard. I mean, again, there are CBA rules and there's certain guidelines about what kind of exertion and output they can actually do. But in terms of like that mental physical focus and that exertion of, um, of intentionality, like you can really tell that this is, they're practicing football. They're not just, repping on air while also preserving all the energy that and and healing that they possibly can which is i think a subtle thing but if you've been around long enough you can kind of start to notice it and you can see that everywhere you can see it with some of the drills i mean they're teaching the backup quarterbacks the play action and the play fa- the run fake for the first time there's such a specific timing the way that they do it the rams do it a mcveigh offense does it there's a specific timing there's a specific spacing you have to hit there's a specific way you outstretch your arm and turn your back and then pull the ball back in like there's a certain amount of steps you take all of these things are there's stuff that you do with your eyes while you're doing you know it's there's so many small details that you don't necessarily have to start from ground zero when you're so top heavy as they were and now they're coaching like quite literally from the ground up with most of these players 40 rookies about 40 rookies on this roster um in every single position group you're seeing these drills that you can tell they really spent a lot of time like overhauling their drilling process. And these new assistant coaches spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, how can we continue to, if there's a veteran in this group, how can we make sure that they're getting what they need while we're not sort of forgetting that these other rookies, they really need to start from, from uh, fewer steps than this other guy is. And you can really, you can really see that, which is interesting because you know, Sean McVay spent a lot of time this spring um, after the draft, like his coaches had seminars, like he, the, the coaches had coaching sessions, you know, they had orientations, he had training sessions with what the expectation was. And he's alluded to that a lot, Stu, um, is, and he did most recently this uh, yesterday, we're now recording on Wednesday, <laughs> my fault. <laughs> um, you know, he spent a lot of time going back to the fundamentals and the actual, like, what is the purpose, uh, why we do this activity, why we do this motion and really practicing hard through, through all of those phases, because a lot of these guys know they're going to have to be ready. Well, when I asked, you know, Sean about this in the press conference the other day, he basically said that it was the closest since, or really the first time since 2018 that they've done this much true teamwork. Now, that's not saying like, oh, well, you know, did they not emphasize that a ton before? No, no, no. They they still did. It's just that, it's like you said, when you had veterans you could lean on in the spring, you know, you didn't maybe have to be as hands-on from a teaching standpoint and from the way you're conducting drills and things like that. And so I actually went back and looked at two thousand the spring of 2018 and the transactions that happened and it wasn't quite as drastic of a roster overhaul, but you still had a few new veterans coming in. You, you had several departure. You had almost the same number of departures collectively between the offense and the defense. And then you still had a pretty decent amount of newcomers. You had an 11-man draft class, a seven-man undrafted free agent class. And then again, the players acquired via free agency and trade. I think it was around maybe 23, four guys. But either way, enough that... You know, I could I could put together like, okay, yeah, it would make sense why you'd have to still go back to the fundamentals and and you know drilling some of these things because there's so many new faces that 
um, you want to make sure every, everybody, you know, has it down and, and gets it right. And, um, I think that also ties into too, which is I'm sure, sure something we'll get to eventually, but just the coaches that he has in place, both mm-hmm. the ones that returned and also the new hires that he made as well. Yeah. There's, there's a language that has to be reconnected. And I think that's some, well, I, I know that's something that, um, was lost last year with especially so much turnover that they have on that coaching staff year over year at some point it's going to catch up to you. And so you have to reestablish those fundamentals, not just for the players sake, but also for the coaches sake. Um, so far it looks like a very energetic group, um, which when fans are able to come out to training camp, I'm looking forward to hearing people's reactions to the way that some of these guys coach uh, special teams has become uh, something not to be missed under chase Blackburn. Um, I covered him in Charlotte and if you're ever having even a medium day, uh, try to find a way to run into Chase Blackburn out on the football field because um, your day will instantly change and you might get challenged to like a foot race or something. <laughs> and so um, that there's like this infusion of, of energy. There's also some interesting things that a big shift like this details that it brings to light in terms of some of the ways that people are contributing, like, for example, you've seen a real shift and a real split, like Zach Robinson, who had some offensive coordinator uh, interviews this last spring. Um, he's now, it, it, he very much, and it was one day, so we're going to have to continue building data on this, but it looks like he's very much shifted into the lead role of, you know, um, developing those very inexperienced young quarterbacks. But even further than that, there's like this, these details that emerge that the Rams really haven't had to think about in a really long time. The play action stuff is one thing because any quarterback coming into this system, veteran, rookie, whoever, Baker Mayfield has to learn this, as does John Walford, as does Bryce Perkins, as does Dresser Wynn, um, which is just the most fabulous name ever. Um, you know, and one of the things that now they've got you know, Brett Ripien, who's kind of like the more advanced, quote unquote, veteran backup in the group. And he's coming from a system that is adjacent or was supposed to be adjacent to what um, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, Zach Taylor, all these guys run. And, you know, and Nathaniel Hackett was, was, you know, attempting to install and get that thing off the ground in Denver. It didn't go the way that anybody expected, I think. But Ripian knows the language, the language, the the rules of the system are the same. The languages change by, you know, words of plays, code words, the way that they stack route combinations together, the way that they um, have certain plays set up other plays, maybe some of the run game stuff that that changes, but the, the rules of the whole thing are the same. So bringing in Brett Ripian, I think, you know, it made sense at the time, like you need to basically literally distribute the ball around with a massive amount of inexperienced players. And you need to make sure that you're getting really good quality reps in, in that, in that phase. So on the surface, it looked like, okay, yeah, you need another arm basically in this group, but then you really start digging a little bit deeper and and you start to realize there are things that the Rams themselves are kind of running into for, for the first time in a quarterback that they've actually drafted and invested in want to be sure that he is their backup quarterback in Stetson Bennett. You think about things that like, I didn't even consider that must be so hard to adjust to for any quarterback, not just for Stetson going from college to pro. Like you're literally a lot of times you're, you're not really, you know, you're not doing like the play action stuff. Um, a lot of time, unless you're Kentucky uh, and a lot of times you are, you're you're communicating and calling the plays in via cards on the sideline and hand signals and um, a variety of um, like backups and equipment people like and assistant coaches like dressed in different colors and forming different. Com- I mean, we've all seen the memes online and stuff, and they all mean certain things. And but in in the pros, you have an earpiece, and so you're literally receiving all of this noise in your ear. You can't you can't shut it off, and it's Sean, and he's just going a mile a minute. And you're receiving all of the the play calls and all of this new language in your ear constantly. And so that's that's overwhelming. And things like that, that like I'm I'm sitting to myself thinking, okay, yes, they did bring Stetson in because at some point they really need to make sure that on a day-to-day basis, like first they have a quarterback who they believe could go in and be a gamer. And second, 
they need to make sure that they're running an effective scout team that's competitive enough to continue the development of this defense. But then I thought, oh, yeah, well, what do you do right away for install when Stetson's had the playbook for all of, you know, six days and has a a coach, you know, who is not known for talking slowly in his ear for the first time ever. And he's got to call these plays in and, oh, yeah, the hash marks are different. So your field and boundary throws look totally different than they would. So the route spacing is different. So how are you like quite literally, how are you? installing an offense if immediately you're throwing that guy into the number two role. And then the Brett Ripian signing makes so much sense because we talked to him, um, Stu, and, and, and he's so, he just gets, he just knows the offense. He just gets it. So at the very least, even if Brett never, you know, develops long-term into the backup, maybe he, you know, they, they want Stetson to be this guy, but Brett is doing a really underrated, very, very important, crucial job for them right now in getting this offense off the ground for everybody else, not just for the quarterbacks. And I think to your point, some of the the you know speculation when this signing was first announced might have been like, oh well, you know maybe because of what happened in Dan- Denver that this guy's just a camp arm. But like it's like, it's like you said, I mean he he's going to be super beneficial for. Um, Stetson's development, especially, and, you know, even again for, with the, you know, four, I guess this would be his fifth season, 1920, 21, 22, 23. Yeah. Like he would be, bas- he'll basically be almost like an extension of, of Zach Robinson in a way when they're, you know, doing these drills. I, I remember, you know, toward the end of, of uh, the practice we watched on Tuesday, you know, he was helping him with, like you said, that, that you know, the, the play action work and things like that. Um, and it also dawned on me too, when you made that connection that, you know, he said in his press conference that it's his fourth different offense, I think in the lot and his, and you know, the five seasons he's been in the NFL that he'll be, you know, dealing with or learning. But the third one, or I guess what would be the fourth is similar to two of the other ones that he learned in Denver. So, uh, Rich, uh, Scangrello. Yeah. Scangrello, I, yeah. I, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, was, I knew I was going to mess up that last name, but. So the, he, but he was the offensive coordinator in Denver. Uh, Brett Rippon's uh, first season there, 2019. Last year you had Justin Outen. I think I got that last name right. Yes, uh, who uh, came from Lafleur, and you know that system in Green Bay, which, like you said, is adjacent to Vay and Shanahan. He also worked with those two. But anyway, the point being, this will be the third, you know, McVay Shanahan adjacent esque whatever you want to call it system that he's been in. So he has the capacity, even if the language has been different than those other two systems to be able to teach Stetson and, and show him what it looks like. And, and also, like you said, at least for the time being as, as Stetson develops kind of help, you know, develop the defense and, and run a competitive scout team, which I think is a, something that maybe people might've glossed over again when he, mentioned like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've been through four different offenses when in reality, there's like, you know, a common thread between a few of them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, I think one of the, and this is probably like a less need conversation that we would both enjoy immensely, but like, I think one of the things that we get football makes this mistake over and over and over again is when you hear you gloss your brain glosses over it. I've been in four different offenses. You hear that and you think what's wrong with you? Why have you, why have you churned through that many offenses? You know what I mean? And why can't you say, but instead, you know, and again, this is why this is a less need question because it's all about like removing, you know, different subconscious thought and like all these different things that he loves to talk about as we know. So, but like, you know, it's, it's like, it's more so if, if there's a place on your roster where that's actually a benefit, that's where you put that person. Right. And so that's what I think is so interesting. It's certainly, I mean, it, it kind of, I was sort of standing there having like a, uh, I wouldn't say existential. I'm often existential, but I was having a little bit of a, like a reawakening of like, okay, I understand, like I've always so deeply respected the quarterback position and how much they have to do. And I've always also understood that there's so much that we don't know that, that they have to do and actually watching it from the ground up on Tuesday to me, first of all, it was just a delight because I like to see things and know things and learn things. But and I, we were standing like ne- like five, 10 feet apart, like just like staring at this at one point, Stu. And it's just like, okay, yeah, like this is freaking cool. Like this is really, I'm really understanding more about some of the things that would make you or I or anybody really just like totally freaking panic and just be totally overwhelming. And it's just the expect that's your Tuesday. You know, that's just your Tuesday that you have to be, that's your expectation. So I, I, that's what I love about OTAs. Like, no, we're not watching, you know, real football, whatever, but we are seeing some of these foundation points. And and again, in ways that we hadn't necessarily seen before. I mean, I I look at like (laughs) the, the specialist unit and they're getting into their kicking formation. And by the way, I feel old as crap watching them because most of them were born after 2000 and they all, it just, I just, it it made me feel older than I've ever felt standing out there before watching all those guys yesterday, but they're even, you know, they've never worked together before as a full special teams unit. And that has to be seamless. And it also has to be within the construct of a, of a play clock. Right. So they're literally chase Blackburn is literally standing out there. Multi he's timing them with one hand as they get their field goal unit together. And he's figuring, you know, he's, he's talking through like plays and situational strategies about like what, you know, what the down and distance is, what the wind is like, so they can simulate it. And it's like, they, they all have to do this from the ground up for the first time. So what I think we're really fortunate here, even though this is like going to be a chaotic year and, and really nobody knows what's going to happen out of all of this, but self, speaking, what I can say is that I'm stoked to see all of these details because you're looking at the why of things and you're looking at like how things work from the ground up. And and I think you're seeing that at, at every position, Stu, especially, and, and you're seeing that, like, I think you're seeing coaches for more, like for what they're more capable of when you, ha- when you see them have to figure out how to teach. Um, and, and sometimes that's just, especially in the NFL, if you're lucky enough to have a roster with people who are sort of teaching you versus you teaching them, um, you know, th- sometimes maybe you, you don't get to see that as much from, from some of the coaches. Um, but, it, but in this case, I think you're really, it's almost like there's sort of like, um, you know, it's all out there. Like you're going to see how, what, what kind of teachers they really are. Uh, the, teaching moments that come to mind to me kind of based on that is just thinking about some of the new hires, kind of like what I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, the importance of having somebody like 
Mike LaFleur as your offense coordinator, even if he was, you know, mostly working with Matthew Stafford in the, in the OTA practice we watched, he still has experience working, working with a rookie quarterback. He's still going to be in the same, same room as, as Stetson Bennett, Dresser Wynn, and obviously the, uh, Brett bringing somebody back like Aubrey Pleasant, um, who knows, who knows the system, knows the secondary and, you know, has obviously worked with worth a young worked with the young secondary before, and and is comfortable teaching those guys. Um, you know, I could go I could go on and on, but like that that part I think is like especially crucial too. That you know maybe people may or may not see or may and may not have uh, observed just because um, I, I don't know. It's like you said, like all everything is so new, and it you know feels like 2018 with. As, as McVeigh said, with, you know, all, all of this teaching going on. And so I guess that's one of the th- things that I find most fascinating is like you were talking about how, you know, we're observing these guys and the way they're teaching and, and coaching, of course, um, the, especially the ones that, you know, are working with those younger groups and the ones that have a lot more uh, inexperience, I think is, is something that's been really, really cool to watch. Yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. And these play, I mean, the players still have to go out and do the things, right? They still have to do it. And so that's where I want to kind of, if you would want to do this, like we go, could go maybe back and forth and go offense, defense, defense, offense. And I'd like to start with you and and let's, I'd really like to know what's one thing then then I'll, uh, we'll just go back and forth. Like what's one thing uh, about the defense, any position group that comes to mind that, that stuck out an observation or um, something that you were sort of a thread that you were sort of pulling um, as the, as the Tuesday continued. Probably how young the secondary was, honestly. I mean, you look at the roster and it's like, okay, yeah, you see the, you know, all the, all the players and, and you know, the number of seasons or their experience listed next to their names and you kind of get a sense. But I mean, when you go out there and, and, you know, Jordan Fuller, who's obviously very talented and a very good player, is like the most experienced guy out there. And then you see, you know, you know, the Russ Yeasts and Kobe Durant's and Darion Kendricks and Robert Rochelle's and Trey Tomlinson's and, you know, Richard LeCount's out there. It's like, wow, this is, this really is like a very young and, and different group. Um, you know, it's, it's just so noticeable. I mean, Jalen obviously had a large Ramsey had a larger than life presence when he was out there always anyway, but like, with him gone and, and some of the other departures they had to Nick Scott and Taylor Rapp, um, it's a it's a very young group, but it's one that's also very hungry, which I know was something that um, you know you observed out of Darion Kendrick, especially a couple of times. But um, that was kind of the group that I spent the most time watching during individual drills, and I kept kind of going back to even during some of the team portions as well. I would say, yeah, I I agree with you, and to piggyback off of that. Um... I think I, I the, the stuff from Darren Kendrick was really cool because you you know obviously we can't tell you like who's taking starting reps or whatever. We can tell you that like there are certain players that are going to clearly expecting to take on a large workload um very very quickly um Trey Tomlinson being one of them, Darren Kendrick, Rush East being one of those players. Um Robert Rochelle obviously having he has to be one of those players um and and really needs to take that next step forward this year. There's there's an energy with that group that's really interesting to me um, because they're all, they're all out and Aubrey I think obviously and Mike Harris I think those are two two people who have a huge effect on that but but like those guys are bringing it I mean again this is an OTA's practice like none of it counts and it's all on air essentially and you can't hit and still these guys are so fired up and there's also some some autonomy in some of the 11 on 11s and the seven on sevens that you can jump routes if you want to you can be aggressive you can make plays on the ball and that's all of that's confidence building tactics like all of that is really really important to establish an ethos of aggression very very early on into the offseason programming and that carries forward obviously but Darion Kendrick I did notice specifically for a couple of things one is when he was leading off drills um he would sprint through the tape, as they say. So like even when, let's say they're working on a footwork turn to ball skill drill. So like they'll backpedal, flip their hips, sprint, and then have to catch a ball that's being thrown to them the opposite sideline. Well, sometimes when you catch the ball, then you start jogging and you sort of toss the ball back and you jog to your place back in the line. Well, after 
DK would catch the ball, he would all out sprint toward the opposite sideline, then toss the ball. So it's sort of like instead of going through a drill, you're it, it, what DK is doing is in his mind simulating a pick six. You, yeah, you, you're not just going to jog after you make an interception. Like you're going to haul ass, you know, <laughs> like you're going to do whatever you can to get into the end zone. So that was really cool that, that to me that really stood out. And then also after their Mamba period, which is the the really intense period that they do in every single practice, um, they uh, the defense had to run sprints. And Sean McVay, to his credit, was right in the mix running sprints sideline to sideline with them. And after they were done, um, DK ran an extra one. So I I was like, okay, he understands the moment. Um, He understands the situation that he's in. And and I agree with you, Stu. There's there's an energy there. And also something I noticed too, which um, I sort of, you and I were sort of like, because it's we're always pacing, right? So it's like sometimes you'll just like comment as someone's passing you. And like, (laughs) so it's it's a very funny, uh, it's a whole very funny our job is weird. Um, and so at one point, I think I mentioned to you, like, it's so interesting because they went small. They have a really small lineup of, of DBs. If you outside of like Jordan Fuller, if you look at people who have previous, any sort of previous starting experience before the draft and even, you know, even during the draft itself, um, they had a group where it was Robert Rochelle was the only corner at six feet or above with that huge long wingspan as well. Well, with their UDFAs, it was really, it's really interesting. And you saw some of it with some of these guys making plays on the ball. Um, there's some, there's some six, one guys, some six, two, and it, and it's interesting. It's almost like they're, they're trying to figure out what combinations work because even the UDFA guys, like there's a shot that they make this roster. So I thought that was really interesting too. Um, I guess I probably should do offense, right? Uh, I mean, we, our, our favorite topic, right, Stu? That's right. <laughs> this is a Sean McVay coach yeah. team, after all. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think I, I think I'd say what stuck out to me was so first of all, it's great to see Van Jefferson out there, right? I mean, you and I both know like just what how much his teammates love him and really what a positive presence he is in the locker room. To see him out there doing the drills and and running through things and. You know, he is hard on, he is a little hard on himself. I think sometimes when a play breaks down or, you know, maybe he, something bounced off his hands or miscommunication or whatever. Um, but still overall, it's, it's been great to see him out there because he missed all of this time with Matthew last year. So they're going to get their timing figured out. And Cooper, Cooper's not here. He's got family stuff going on. Um, you know, all positive stuff, by the way, I know that sounds scary, but like positive family stuff for Aaron and Cooper. So they weren't there. So when Cooper's not there, you're getting a lot of time with Tyler Higby, with Van Jefferson, with Tutu Atwell, like, and then you're also working other guys into the mix, which was really cool. Matthew Stafford mentioned that he saw Puka like everywhere. I mean, he was working. Matthew Stafford said he was in all three groups, which means he was first team, second team, and third team in terms of all of their installation work. And I'm allowed to say that because Matthew Stafford said that. So uh, hopefully my key card still works um, next time for OTAs. So um, so it's, it's just so interesting because you see when I say like there are guys that really appear to be like taking on a huge workload very early. Um, Puka seems to be one of those guys who they're throwing a lot at to see how much sticks, what sticks. I even saw, uh, Sean working with him on some releases from the line of scrimmage. And that's another thing. I mean, we'll go back to it. We go back to it over and over is like, Sean really seems to be for the positive, um, really investing into a lot of these young players where in previous years, maybe there weren't young players on the roster, or maybe he's, you know, really just working with his group of veterans that they have to, you know, it's every position on the roster as a veteran at some point. So, um, yeah. So uh, Puka, I think is someone who definitely stood out to me again, you guys, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down the path that has really bitten me before about being really excited about what I've seen from a certain player or two players or three in the spring. And then the season comes and, and this in the, and in training camp, and being like trying to be like as rational as possible, but we know how this is, this news cycle of the NFL, everyone's excited about any news whatsoever. And so then you start to see like highlights and, you know, the team, the team account is like releasing highlights and everyone's really fired up and it's all very good. And then the season starts and oh my God, everything is a disaster. So not saying that we're not going to go that far. I'm just saying 
mentally, it just seems like they're throwing a lot at Puka very, very quickly. And I think it's by design to sort of see what sticks. You saw them do this with Lance McCutcheon last year right away, and he ended up making the roster. Another player who really needs to take a step forward in his development this year. So I think that you can always see little signs of at least what the expectation is, maybe not the outcome, but that's sort of what I think. I'm curious to hear what if you have an uh, offensive uh, observation as well. Well, the first one that came to mind was actually uh, along the lines of Van Jefferson. I saw him drop a pass from, I think it was Stafford, uh, you know, kind of late in that Mamba period, and he was kind of hard on himself. But, you know, Stafford, you know, reassured him and then went back to him. It was like a few plays later, and he ends up making the catch and basically the play that after that, I'm, I'm assuming it was the play that, they ended, won the offense the, the day. period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that ended the day because the defense was was spring right after yeah, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was pretty cool to see. But um yeah, really just the the biggest thing for me was the opportunities for guys at receiver, especially with with Cooper not there. Um again, when you know as, as Stafford was managing his elbow issue last year, these were reps that like even in training camp as they, you know, kind of put him on you know, what was basically a pitch count um, and, and, you know, manage that workload. He didn't get these opportunities with the two twos, the, or at least not as many, I would say with, you know, guys like Tutu or Ben Skoranek or Van Jefferson, or, or even the, you know, some of the more veteran guys like Tyler Higby. And so when you, when you see Tutu out there getting time to build that rapport with Stafford and again, same with Ben Skoranek and, and even Van. That that to me is I is I think what I took away the most. I mean, it was also good to see you know Cam Akers out there too. Obviously, um, you know with the way he finished last season. Um, but I, I was just really struck by all the different receivers. I guess I should also throw Puka in there too. Obviously, who you know had the chance to basically work with Stafford with you know the way things were um, set up on Tuesday. Yeah, for sure. And and it's so interesting. I mean, we're really just going to learn a lot about these young guys as time passes. There's no feasible human way to know all of it now. I think it's fun like for us as as writers because it's like, okay, well, you got into a routine like, okay, these are the these are the guys who are like your guys that you go to in the locker room. These are the people who are really great talking to you about this topic or that topic or, you know, here here's who you and, and we're all kind of like learning them too. we're trying to figure out, like, first of all, where they fit. And then also, what are they all about? And so far, um, the hard work and the, the energy really seems to be apparent. Um, and so kind of as we get sort of towards wrapping up here, um, I want to narrow it down just a little bit more. Um, one player on offense who you're really keeping a close eye on, one player on defense that you're really keeping a close eye on, and then I'll do the same. So the one player on offense, is it strange if I pick an offensive lineman? I don't feel like it is because, I mean, look, it's it's not the most glamorous position. <laughs> you know, so at least important, in terms though. Of, you should pick one. You yes. Gotta, they, 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 they went through enough I mean, last year, Stu. You, you have to pick them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's part of it too. It's just with, you know, one, because of the injury situation last year and also just because of the fact that, you know, he was the highest draft pick. It's probably Steve Avila for me. Um, if you were to look for someone who is like the prototypical interior offensive lineman or looks the part, as is often said in uh, football media vernacular, like he looks the part, like dude is huge. So I'm curious about his development and, you know, how he, how he looks moving forward just because, you know, again, McVay has openly talked about after the draft with competition and, and, you know, the chance for, you know, Steve to obviously compete, but um, you know, what he brings to that group, especially is something that um, I really have at, at the top of mind, especially to thinking about the impact that guys or players of that size had on the offensive line last year, uh, or I should not on the offensive line, but the run game, especially like when you were seeing Alaric Jackson getting some, you know, time at, at guard and, and like what that size did for the run game. 
that also is like part of the, the draw for me and, and kind of keeping an eye on Steve. Yeah, that's a really uh, good point. De- yeah. And then defensively, I would say probably Kobe Durant. I mean, again, uh, probably a popular name in the secondary just because of what he did in his first season. But, um, you know, he's somebody who's got, you know, as we saw last year, the the position versatility and, and flexibility that the coaching staff really values. And so what does that mean for him this season and, and what does his role look like and, and how does he kind of build on that? Um, again, another one of those hungry players in the secondary too, uh, young hungry players. So um, all, all of those things make me very interested in, in also his development as well and kind of where things go this spring and, and beyond. Good picks. I'm going to cheat and pick two defensive players. Like I'm the host, so I'm just going to, I'm mad with power. It's fine. Yeah. Your, I will face zero ramifications for my <laughs> actions. <laughs> oh, there we go. There's one. All I right. made it yesterday. And, and after, so I made this ramifications. I said something about ramifications when we recorded the recording that never existed apparently. And afterwards, Stu goes, yeah, I, I felt like you were making a pun there, but you know, you're, you didn't have a, your, your face, you know, you didn't have a, fa- a facial expression. Like you knew you were making a pun. So I didn't say anything, but I totally thought that was a pun. And I was like, damn it, Stu, that should have been a pun. I'm <laughs> off my game. So now that was a, that should have been the warning sign that I messed up the entire procedure yesterday. But anyway, I'm going to pick two, two defensive players just because one really surprised me and two will, I think, really surprise people. And again, that's coming off as too hot takey, which I said I wasn't going to do. But OK, um, Kobe Turner is way bigger than I thought he was going to be um, like he the all the scouting reports and even on tape a little bit like he he looks a little undersized, quote unquote, for his position. And I will also say, like, Aaron Donald, you it's you can look larger next to him because he is a smaller built, very, um, very powerful defensive lineman, but like he is smaller, but so, so when I saw pictures of them standing together, whatever, I was like, oh, that's just the effect of, you know, it's like old timey movies where they're showing like forced perspective. And it's like, well, that's why that looks closer. It's an artistic choice. Yeah. It's an artistic choice. Good job to the Rams photographers. And, but like the, the, the thing was, is we actually saw them in person. I was like, what was anyone talking about when they said this dude was undersized? I mean, it's like we we had this joke, um, Stu, you and I say this all the time, is the the Greg Gaines joke where we're like, you know, it's kind of built. He's like a wheel of cheese rolling down a hill like you're just you have to get out of the <laughs> yeah. way or be totally just 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 like forcefully just squished into the ground. Um, or a keg rolling down a hill or whatever. And and I get it with with Kobe. I get why they gravitated towards somebody who has to fill that Greg Gaines role. I get why they gravitated toward him um, in terms of the way that he's physically built. And actually, I think he's a little bit bigger than Greg was, especially right away. Um, and then mentally, obviously, we know why they they gravitated toward him. But like it really was, that was something that was really... Um, surprising to me because all I read, I read all the scouting reports I read and even the tape that I watch, it's like, oh yeah, that guy's just a little bit smaller. He's undersized. Wow. He can really move for an undersized D lineman. And I'm like, oh no, actually like you seem like you'll do fine actually. So um, that'll be something to watch. And then the other person I want to pick is Michael Hoyt. And it's funny that Michael Hoyt is like the veteran, the veteran outside linebacker on this roster. Um, because he just started playing the position like with six games left of the 2022 season. So he's only got a little bit more experience specifically at that position than some of his rookie teammates. Um, but if we want to talk about practicing hard, I mean, the dude goes, he goes. And I think that's one of the really important things. They're so young in that group that if not, we don't know what what will translate into production with Hoyt. They're not really pass rushing right now. They're definitely going through everything but hitting the quarterback. Um, but they're not nothing is real right now in terms of the contact that they will take on in terms of when you have to shed your block and go seal the edge, when you have to tackle in space. We don't see any of that right now. But I will say in terms of the effort and the the energy and showing other players how to practice, that's super crucial this time of year. Uh, Michael Hoyt definitely has all of those qualities and is certainly showing that again, don't know how that will translate over, but 
with this group, a lot of times those qualities have translated over with this team specifically and this coaching staff. Um, those qualities have translated into success on the field in the past. So we'll kind of see how it goes. He also has leaned out, in my opinion. Um, and so I think we we asked him about this when we talked to him, Stu, earlier this year about like, you know, are, is this kind of the track you're staying on? And he's like, yeah, this track I'm staying on. I, I remember last year he was laughing as he left on Locker Cleanout Day because he's like, I can go off my diet. And uh, I get it because <laughs> yeah, he was a, right. he was an interior D lineman, and now he's got to like obviously have a, a little bit of a different build um, to be rushed, you know, in those pass rush situations. So I feel for him. Um, I just did whole thirty, and uh, I only lasted obviously the thirty days. So um, to have to go back onto something restrictive or uh, very strict, not restrictive is probably the wrong word, but very strict in terms of like what you're eating. Um, you know, I, I couldn't, clearly I'm not cut from the same cloth. So <laughs> you, you think maybe a whole 30 would help, uh, help him gain an edge. Oh my God. I could see the pun God, the pun God. Here he is. Stu Jackson, everybody on that note, Stu, on that fabulous, fabulous note. We're going to wrap today. I really wanted to thank you um, for joining us today. Um, and I also want to sort of, uh, I know everybody's listening to this. You you already probably follow Stu Jackson, does fantastic work over at therams.com. But what are you working on? Um, where can people find you on social media? And most importantly, how much fun did you have on this podcast today? <laughs> well, I'll start with the most important question uh i had a ton of fun um <laughs> it's it, it I, I mean it's it it felt a lot like just uh a lot of the conversations that we have when we're out there watching practice um again except we're standing minus, in one place for more time <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah except standing in one place for for an extended period of time but uh but yeah i mean as far as what i'm working on just i'm just trying to keep up with uh you know otas and and all those going on um, I'll have, you know, a few, uh, long form features that'll be out later this summer on, on some of the rookies as well. That's probably the, uh, biggest project, but like you mentioned, uh, whatever, whatever I'm, I end up, uh, coming up with or publishing it you can always find it on the ramps.com. So. still want to thank you again for taking the time, uh, a second time to come join me on the 11 personnel podcast. You've definitely paid your dues. Um, really, really appreciate it. I know Rich Hammond is listening to this and he appreciates it. He passes along his thanks as well for not necessarily being uh, my guest co-host this week, but more specifically for not giving away any of his territory, which are the uniform secrets. Um, guys, those who are listening, thank you so much. Um, we're going to continue to have regular dispatches, obviously, through the off season as OTAs pick up and then we get into mini camp. Most importantly, um, subscribe to The Athletic. You get a great discount, so I hear. Um, and also, I hope you guys are all taking care of yourselves and taking care of each other um, all year round. But especially, you know, seasons change, life changes, work changes, people change, teams change. Make sure you're taking care of yourselves and each other. Make sure you're staying caffeinated. I know I am. Make sure you're staying hydrated. We'll catch you guys next time.